Good morning, everyone. In case you don't know me, my name is Larry J. And I'm currently the director at Rolling Ridge Retreat and Conference Center, where we'll be having our church picnic in a few weeks, and I hope that you'll be able to join us. And I'm also a member here at First Free Christian Church, and I worship here at North Andover, and I sit kind of over there in front of Eric and family. Um, before relocating to North Andover about a year and a half ago, I was in California, where I was serving at a Christian camp and conference center in the Santa Cruz Mountains. But, but prior to my move to the Santa Cruz Mountains, I was serving as a pastor in the city, in San Francisco, when I felt the Lord stirring a change in me. I wanted to connect my love for the outdoors with my ministry, so I made a big decision. I decided to leave pastoral ministry and move from the concrete jungle to the redwood forest and began a new career in camping ministry. Being in the mountains spiritually restored something that was missing in my ministry while in the city, and I found a new sense of calling in an eco-spirituality or an ecological spirituality, a connecting people with, their, with the creator through creation. And to make a very long story short, a decade later, here I am in North Andover at Rolling Ridge, having moved from the Redwood Forest to the shores of Lake Kachikawik. I share this with you for you to know something about me. I love nature, I love the outdoors. And I've experienced God's healing and found spiritual inspiration being outdoors. And, have, and I've always found a special connection with God when surrounded by the beauty of the natural world. Thus, when asked to speak on a psalm during J.P.'s sabbatical, I knew it needed to be Psalm 19, which Tim read for us. I love Psalm 19 because it stands in that unique intersection of being a nature psalm, a Torah psalm, and a psalm that speaks to the heart of worship by exhorting us to live our lives fully open to the Lord. And to be honest, there's really no better place to be in the world, in the word, and in the center of God's heart. As an overview, Psalm 19 can be broken into three sections. The first section, verses 1 through 6, looks at God's revelation through nature, or how the Creator speaks to us through creation. The second section, verses 7 to 10, looks at God's revelation through the Torah, or how the Lord speaks to us through Scripture or the Bible. The third section, verses 11 through 14, looks at our response to God's revelations, or how we speak to God, our Creator, our God, through our worship. Our humble and honest response to the fullness of God's revelation is really the heart of worship, and that is what Psalm 19 is about. In other words, when God shows up, when God speaks, when God reveals himself, how we react, how we respond, how we answer God, that is our worship. Worship is our response to God's revelation. In so many ways, worship is not a feeling. Worship is a faith-filled decision to say yes to God's desire and God's invitation to have a relationship with us through Christ as we choose to live fully for Him. Or expressed in another way, worship is worth-ship. The act of bestowing worth, recognizing what has worth in our lives, valuing that which is important. We worship God when we recognize He is worthy as we see him at work in our life, in our world, through nature, through scripture, in the big things, in the small things. And then as we encounter God, we respond in praise, in prayer, in gratitude, in grief, in song, in sorrow, through dance, 
through prostration, with hands raised, with heads bowed, in obedience, in repentance, in love. Letting God know that he is worthy, that he is important, that we value our relationship with him above all else and choose to live for him. That is the heart of worship. And that is the message of Psalm 19. And so as I begin, let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. Amen. As I mentioned, Psalm 19 highlights two revelations of God, two ways that God reveals himself through nature and through scripture. These two revelations are the two ways that God speaks to us and have been called the metaphor of the two books in describing how God has made himself known to us. The book of nature, the first book written by God, is recognized as the way God is revealed through the natural world with its truths complementing the book of scripture, the Torah, the Bible. Historically, the, for pre-literate societies, the reading of the book of nature authored by God formed their understanding of God's character, wisdom, and power, and shaped their worship, their way of living in the world, their way of responding to their creator. Like the Bible, which is the word of God, the book of nature teaches about the creator through the world of God. The book of nature and the book of scripture go together in a complementary relationship, revealing the fullness of God's purposes, forming a doctrine known as the unity of truth, both pointing to Christ. As 9th century Irish theologian John Scotus Erigma puts it, Christ wears two shoes in the world, scripture and nature, and both are necessary to understand the Lord, and at no stage can creation be seen as a separation of things from God. I focused my doctoral dissertation on the book of nature as a, as a revelation of God, so I could talk hours on the relationship of the book of nature with the book of scripture in both revealing Christ. But I'm gonna spare you a seminary lecture today. <laughs> I know our sound guy needs to get out soon, so <laughs> we'll keep it short. But suffice it to say, in the same way we learn to read, study, and meditate on scripture to understand the heart of God, it is also important for us to read, study, and meditate on the book of nature. And thankfully, Psalm 19 teaches us how to do that. But before we get to Psalm 19, imagine, if you will, a backpacking trip. My first backpacking trip about 20 years ago in Kings Canyon Sequoia National Park in the Sierra Mountains of California. I had never done anything like this before, and after the first day of rushing, waking up before the sun to get to the trailhead, but then getting started late, arriving at our site in the dark after seven grueling miles uphill with heavy packs, I was beat. Why the heck was I doing this? But as day two dawned with clear blue skies, a gentle breeze, one full day under a pack, encouraging friends, and a shorter distance to our final campsite, I was getting the hang of this, and I was enjoying the journey as I took it slow and steady up the mountain trail passing above the tree line on my way to our destination at 9,500 feet. This was the highest of heights I'd ever climbed. You can imagine my sense of relief as I finally reached this glacial alpine lake, removed my pack, and sat by the cool, refreshing water. And that's what it looked like. 
The lake was surrounded by snow-peaked mountains, clear and stunningly beautiful, with blue skies, a gentle breeze, and filtered sun, just as I imagined it to be. I was on top of the world, a picture-perfect postcard with creation revealing its majesty. Being above the tree line, we camped on slabs of granite, and with no one else around, we had this lake to ourselves for the next two days and enjoyed the solitude and refreshment it provided. The experience, indescribable. The emotions, uncontainable. The pain and struggle to reach the summit melted away with awe and appreciation of our amazing God. That night, the friend who organized this trip pulled out his mini guitar. Imagine, I could barely manage a backpack and he pulled out a guitar. But as the sun began to set, we had a time of impromptu worship. I remember lying on, a, lying on my back on a granite rock with the majestic colors of the twilight sky pressing in. We were so high on the mountains, I felt like I could reach up and touch the stars. Singing praises, I experienced a profound sense of God's love for me. But more than that, I felt a deep connection with the earth as I lay there on the rocks with the reassuring beauty of the skies resting on my chest, nature embracing me with a hug, surrounding me with a blanket of love and peace. Time seemed to stop as I was caught up in eternity and felt an intimate communion with creator and creation that touched me deeply and changed my relationship with this earth, and awakening in me a desire to care and protect the planet we call home. Well, I don't think that David wrote Psalm 19 on a backpacking trip in the Sierras. As a shepherd, he probably spent more than a few nights gazing up at a star-filled sky so that he could pen, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. There is something about a star-filled sky which inspires a sense of awe and wonder. Anyone agree? Yes. And when we connect with nature and learn to read it as a book, we recognize the creator through the creation and learn something about God's character. Creation reveals the creator in the same way a work of art tells something of the artist. The vastness of the heavens, the mystery of the cosmos, the beauty of the stars tell of God's glory. They reveal God's vastness, God's greatness, God's majesty, God's splendor. And the skies, the sun, the winds, the clouds, the rain show the creator's handiwork, his design, his creativity in forming the firmament. Day to night, night to day, in a seamless, beautiful rhythm of time and seasons. There are no words. There is no sound. But the natural rhythm of the skies goes forth and tells of the wisdom, the knowledge, the faithful presence of God who ordained all that is in the cosmos. And David recognized this as he has come to read nature by connecting with creation. Psalm 19 shows us that the first way that read to, the first way to read nature is to first connect with creation. 
To connect with creation is to open our, all our senses to experience the fullness of the natural world around us. David declares his experience in the opening verses of Psalm 19, and this is what I experienced on that first backpacking trip decades ago. Unfortunately, many of us live our lives indoors, surrounded by technology and human-made stuff, that we forget how to be outdoors and connect with God-made stuff. Or we get outside on our vacation to enjoy the beauty and find rest, but we miss the divine message the Creator is speaking through His creation when we fail to open up all our senses to the natural world. When I served in camping ministry back in California, I spent time with a naturalist who lived on site and taught environmental education to the kids. I discovered that to become more aware of their surroundings, naturalists learn to be still and to engage their five senses while in the woods. And I encourage you to find a spot outside this week and to quite sit quietly for a few moments and to engage your senses. Be present in the moment by calming your mind and stilling your spirit. And slowly open your owl eyes and expand your peripheral vision to see all that is around you. Tune into the sounds that are around you with your dear ears and listen for the music of the spheres. And then as you take deep breaths, allow your dear, your bare nose to smell the air and sniff the multitude of scents that are around you. And then engage your raccoon hands as you tactically explore your environment. And if you dare, and you know something about native plants, you can extend your reptile tongue and taste the creation's bounty. Open your whole self to the creation to the Creator, through the creation, and you'll be amazed at what you discover. I know that for me, as I begin to smell the summer times here in Massachusetts, I realize it smells very different than in California. When we open our senses, we connect with creation through our whole physical body. And when you're outside and take, take time to see, to hear, to smell, to touch, and to taste the fullness of God's presence revealed in the natural world, and imagine God speaking to you through all that your senses take in. What do the heavens tell you? What is that tree in your yard saying to you about God? What about the flower that has just bloomed, that unexpected thunderstorm, the ants in your kitchen, your cat who keeps getting into everything, that, that those herbs that are growing on your, on, your, on your kitchen counter? The heavens reveal God's glory. Nature reveals creation. Connect with creation and allow the Creator to speak to you through all that God has made. And after we connect, the second way we read the book of nature is to consider. To consider is to think about your creation connections. We connect when we engage all our senses, but we consider when we engage our mind. For David, he considers the heavens, the skies, in verses 4b through 6. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chambers like a champion rejoicing to run this course. It rises at one end of the heavens and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. If you hear this carefully, David connects with the skies, the heavens, but his attention then turns to the sun as he considers, as he thinks about the sun. 
The universe for David and for the ancient Israelites was a three-part universe with the heavens above like a tent, the earth in the middle, and the underworld, Shoal, below. Earth was, to be, was believed to be a flat disk floating on the water with the heavens representing both the sky and the dwelling place of God with the firmament, the visible sky, being like a solid inverted bowl over the earth. And it was colored blue because when we look up at the earth, we're seeing the floor of the heavenly ocean above it. And for David and for the ancients, the sun, the moon, and the stars dangle, so to speak, from the roof of this dome, this tent, and they move through their established cycle, their course, their circuit from beginning to end as the Creator has ordained. As David considers the sun, he first sees it in light of the science of his day, so to speak, his understanding of the universe with the sun rising and setting and emerging like a bridegroom from his chambers from beginning to end, like a race, like a runner beginning a race. But as David continues to consider the sun, he recognizes nothing is deprived of its warmth, as it says in the NIV. Or as it is better translated in the NASB, I think that I think Tim read, there is nothing hidden from its heat. Nothing is hidden from the sun. The sun sees all and touches all. In verse 7, David continues, and it seems that the psalm shifts from creation to the Torah, or scripture, as David writes. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. But in context, the law of the Lord here referred, referred here relates not just to God's word as we often interpret it, as we often interpret it, but it could also refer to God's natural laws, the sun's circuit across the sky, which David has just reflected on. The way that God has laid out the heavens and ordained the movement of the sun and the moon and the skies is perfect. It's divinely ordained. It's holding together the cosmos, giving refreshment, giving comfort to the soul. Isn't it reassuring to know that the sun will come out tomorrow? This is part of God's natural law, his perfect plan. And this is what David considers as he sees nature in relationship to Scripture. From nature and the laws of nature as a revelation of God, David continues in his psalm to recognize Scripture as another way God reveals himself as, and speaks to us, as, as David writes in verse 7 beyond. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. From a general revelation of God without words in nature... David affirms God's specific revelation through words in Scripture as he considers nature in light of, is it in light of Scripture. Just as God's natural laws are perfect, so are his statutes trustworthy, precepts right, right, his commandments pure, his pure, fear pure, his decrees firm, providing blessing and promises to those who recognize their value their worth, their sweetness, their joy. This poetic description of Scripture reflects an arch, so to speak, of the fullness of God's knowledge, 
a full circuit like the sun rising and setting from beginning to end, beautiful, complete, shining light upon all with nothing hidden from its truth. In reading the book of nature, David first connects with the natural world, the heavens, the skies, as he opens all his senses to experience the fullness of God's creation. As his attention turns specifically to the sun, he then considers, he thinks about the sun in light of science and in relationship to scripture. And in verse 11 to 13, he now then prayerfully brings to God his considerations in love. From his head, he now opens his heart and contemplates, which is the third C in learning to read the book of nature. To contemplate is to prayerfully bring to God our considerations in love. As David writes, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own, their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I shall, will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. David's connections and considerations of the Son through Scripture bring David to contemplation as God stirs in his heart in prayer. David acknowledges the importance of Scripture in his life, their warning and reward. But in reading the book of nature and through his connection with the creation, he also recognizes that in the same way nothing is, nothing is hidden from the sun, nothing is hidden from God through his word. Like the sun, the fullness of Scripture shines on his life and reveals his, reveals his faults. The same word translated hidden in verse 6, sitar, is used in verse 12 as David prays, forgive my hidden faults. David seems to be clearly indicating that just as nothing is hidden from the heat of the sun, so no sin is hidden from God. As J. Ross Wagner writes, this meeting of hidden faults is unique to the psalmist. He appears to have chosen this word deliberately in order to connect his prayer with the previous praise of the sun and Torah. Having painted Torah in the colors of the sun and displayed its superiority to the cosmic revelation of God, the psalmist suggests that if nothing can be hidden from the heat of the sun, much less can anything be hidden from the radiance of Torah or the eyes of, the, of Yahweh. The psalmist may be unable to see his hidden vault, but Yahweh has no such impediment. In humility and truth, the psalmist asks that Yahweh acquit him of his unintentional unknown sin. From sun to scripture to sin, David has learned to read nature as he connects, considers, and contemplates how the creator speaks to his heart through creation. And this leads to the fourth and final C in the four C's of reading nature. And the fourth C is change. To change is to commit to live a life of worship in communion with God and in kinship with creation. It is choosing to respond to God's revelation of himself through the world and through the word. For David, he concludes Psalm 19 and verse 14 praying, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I don't know if you heard it or not, 
But David's commitment to change, his desire to live a life of worship in verse 14, echoes the testimony of the skies in verse 4. Verse 4, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. May these words of my heart, of my mouth, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As we look at this psalm from start to finish, David is saying that he wants his life from start to finish, inside and out, to be pleasing to God, to echo the music of the spheres, to be ordered as the very structure of the universe, to speak God's glory, just as the heavens tell of God's majesty. This is the heart of worship. David's response to God's revelation in nature and through scripture. In the same way the heavens tell the glory of God, so should our lives reveal the glory of God as well. And this is the message of Psalm 19. And this is the lesson from the four C's as we connect, consider, contemplate, and commit to make a change by reading the book of nature for ourselves and discovering how to live more fully for God. When we read the book of nature through the four C's, we learn lessons from nature and discover new and profound ways how to live a life of worship. For me, one of my most inspiring experiences reading the book of nature through the four C's came when I was in California living in the Redwoods. I used to live in a place called Creekside Cabin. And yes, it was, as you imagine, a cabin by the creek. <laughs> it was a beautiful place to be. Yet in spite of the beauty, between work and a doctoral dissertation, I was burning both ends of the candle and feeling anxious and overwhelmed, rushing back and forth with responsibilities galore. One day, while stressed to the max, I saw a deer grazing just outside my window. As I stopped to watch, she looked up, and with her ears raised in full attention, our eyes met. There was a creation connection as we spent what seemed like an eternity gazing at each other. Psalm 42 came to my mind. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Though the deer was eating grass rather than drinking water, the scriptural application and the metaphor was the same as I considered what longing after God meant for me. Like the deer, I recognized my need to graze on God's presence, to look up and to trust in God's care by contemplating my desire for God. I began to see in the gaze of the deer that God was looking at me and lovingly gazing on me. It was a God sighting, as, uh, as Mark Fee would say. It was a way that God was saying to me, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Simply be here with me. The deer eventually dropped her head. She broke our gaze and went back to grazing. And as I continued to watch her, my heart was warmed as I felt God's love through the deer. And amid the worries and stress, feeling like I had too much to do and too much time and no time to do it, I knew that I was neglecting time with God and time in his word. The deer reminded me that I needed to change and make time with God and time with nature a priority in my schedule once again. I needed time in the book of nature and the book of scripture to renew and restore my soul. And from my creation connection and contemplation with the deer, 
I knew I needed to gaze on the natural world and to graze on the word to experience the fullness of God's loving presence in my life. My prayer for you this week is that you will take some time to get outside and to read the book of nature. Connect by opening all your senses to experience the creator through the creation. And as you connect with some aspect of the natural world, consider by thinking about this creation connection through science and through scripture. Next, contemplate by prayerfully bringing these considerations of your heart to God. And then commit to make a change by living a life of worship in communion with God and kinship with creation. If anyone would like, I have a little handout on these four C's. But may my prayer for you is that David's prayer in Psalm 19 might be yours this week. May you have your own Psalm 19 experience and discover what creation is telling you about the Creator and your relationship with the God who loves you, who is your rock and your Redeemer. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we also thank you for our world. Because both were made by you and both reveal your love to us in Christ and both teach us about what it means for us to live more fully for you. I pray that you might allow us to spend time with you this week in your world as well as in your word. And that you would speak to us the words of comfort that we need to know that you are there that you love us in spite of our hidden faults that we oftentimes do not see. We thank you that you love us in spite of the ways that we fall short. And we pray that you might continue to walk with us each day of this week as we live lives, worship and worship for you, responding to your revelations that are ever, ever around us. All this we ask in Christ. Amen.